Hello and welcome to the Pactum. I'm Mike Grimes here today with Pat Abendroth, and we are here for episode 83, continuing talking about the covenant of works on this episode. Mike, you kind of sound funny today, kind of like you're talking with your lips like this. I have never... So what, what's going on over there, Mike Grimes? Well, I had a little dental work done this morning, <laughs> and I agreed to record a podcast after having dental work, and I'm here to tell you, this is the strangest feeling I've ever had when trying to talk into a microphone. It is the reveal. If You've it, been to if the it dentist. sounds a little slobbery, it's because it probably <laughs> is. <laughs> okay, nice. Oh, but we're here to talk about the covenant of works. We've been talking about it for the past couple episodes, and we're going to continue doing that today and do some questions about the covenant of Oh, works. there are so many questions sometimes about such things, and I'm thankful for questions. I love it when people ask questions because then I know what they're thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. helpful, sort of a Q&A. I think we have a dozen or so questions lined up in front of us. We do, Ish. so... What's going to happen here is I'm going to fire these questions off at Pat and see how he can handle it. It's kind of like Pat in the Pactum Sofa hot seat. Yeah. So that we're going to start like the 100 level and move up to 500 level or just okay. no order. Questioning the covenant works for 100. Is that what we're doing? <laughs> yeah. I think there's no order, but it kind of sounds fun. Maybe we should quick take. Okay. Push pause, everyone. We No, we're not going to do that. <laughs> Let's answer some important questions about the covenant of works. Maybe there are questions you have. Maybe not. Maybe there are questions you can answer maybe sure, better yeah. than we can but that's fine we are here for you we are to make yourself feel good yes we are all about your feelings <laughs> yeah. we want you to feel feelings, so i was talking to somebody recently feelings. and i said the word feel so many times i literally stopped in the middle of the conversation and said i'm sorry i keep saying the word feel and this is that's i think i know it was weird you ever do that uh i i'd check my privilege okay <laughs> <laughs> I just like toying with people who I know are postmodern. The other day we were on a, a bicycle ride. It was like 90 some degrees. And we were with a guy who I just assume was kind of left leaning at least. So we got water out of one of those spigots, those old fashioned kind of hose, you know, oh, sure, orange yeah. or red things you lift the handle up. And yep. it was super hot. And I just said, wow, you know what? Isn't it great to have ice cold water on a hot day? <laughs> I said, my truth is, it's ice cold. <laughs> and the guy's looking at me like, I said, you know, it really is wonderful to be a postmodernist. Oh. <laughs> Always looking for an end to try to talk about what is important. That's like funny. truth. That's funny. All right. Well, let's get started with these questions. Like we said, we have about a dozen or so of these revolving around the topic of the covenant of works. First question, how can you say that salvation is by works given... Ephesians 2, which teaches the opposite. I love toying with people saying true or false. Salvation is by works. Yeah. I've been doing it for years now. And uh, when I said true, I, I've, I've said true many times. And many times people have maybe either just about gotten up and left or at least thought about it or told me that. And it's so true. Salvation is by grace and only by grace. And we would champion that on the Pactum. Hopefully you would as well. Every right. Christian would. Yeah. And Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 are critical and important. I would die for that reality. But we have to remember that we get, sometimes we get so used to just the mantra, if you will, hmm. that we forget that Jesus didn't come here and do nothing. 
He's our substitute. <laughs> he suffered. He died. He was raised from the dead. He obeyed. He, he did, as we've been saying lately with all the kids, he did all of the things. He did all the things. So he yeah. ascended. It's most certain. Salvation most certainly is not just somehow God zaps us into being saved. No. Right, right. A price has to be paid. Atonement has to be made. Righteousness has to be had. Salvation is of the Lord. It's grace to us. It's works to him. What a great champion savior. So let, I think, I think we're at a place right now where we need to be shocked because sure. we've, we've kind of gotten lazy about how we think of the greatness of Christ. Yeah. That's so good. it is of works. Try it. Try the true false, get people thinking it is provocative. Yes, it is. All right. So what about the accusation that covenant theology and the covenant of works are late developments historically. Oh, people who don't love covenant theology love this one. They love hmm. to quote Burkhoff sure. and give dates and say, oh, even Lewis Burkhoff says, you know, here's when, when it was developed and here's when it came about. And, and I think that's malicious, that's naive, that's hmm. foolish. Because true, there is something called doctrinal development. True, yeah, yeah. historical theology, we see when things are called certain things. Or we see when certain debates happen, and then we have to formulate certain doctrines based upon the Bible. And so it's kind of a, it's a lame move. Uh, in reality, if you were to take time to look at some historical sources, you see there's this distinction between law and gospel before it's called the covenant of works, let's sure. say. Yeah, yeah. And you see in principle, definitely way before the Protestant Reformation, way before Westminster Confession, 1689 Confession, whatever it is, long before that, you see these things in principle, uh, Okay, true. Protestant Reformation happens. The Protestants have to figure out where they agree and disagree with the Roman Catholics. Uh, and so things like that. We have to dig our heels in to figure out justification. We know it's biblical that God uh, declares sinners righteous based upon Christ's work. But what are we going to call it? What kind of labels are we sure, going to yeah, use? Yeah, yeah. So you can say it's a late development, but not. Uh, it, it didn't come out of thin air lately, if you will, especially right. if we can prove it as biblical. Right. So would you say it's fair to say that these things existed and these people were teaching and believing these things to be true, even though it maybe hadn't been synthesized in the way that we know it now? Yeah, that's a good way of putting okay. it. Okay. Yep. All right. Yep. Uh, and, and especially because of the the debates help us to figure out things and to formulate things sure, in ways yeah. that are more helpful. Uh, so okay. it, 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 it's, a, it's a lame move. So yeah. Don't do that, is what we're saying. <laughs> Don't be that guy. All right, another question here about the covenant of works. How can you say that someone could be a dispensationalist and still affirm the covenant of works, given that the covenant of works is part of covenantalism? So for our listeners, if you didn't hear episode 82, yep. I did what I do oftentimes on the pactum, and I asked Pat about well, what do dispensationalists think about the covenant of works? And so he said he thinks there are those who would affirm the covenant works. There are those who do, and there are some that don't. Um, but so the question is, Pat, how can you say that they would still affirm the covenant of works, given that it's part of covenantalism? Yep, I'm glad it was—this is a great follow-up to the, to the last episode, so I'm glad you um, bridged the divide, Bridged Mike. the gap, man. So— Yes, in one sense, we say covenantalism and dispensationalism are oil and water. They're polar opposites and they're opposing systems. We can say that in a certain conversation. Having said that, let's not do it for a moment. And let's realize that dispensationalism in its very essence is about 
two peoples of God. There's the church and there's Israel. And so you have a future for national geopolitical religious Israel. Hmm. That would be dispensationalism kind of in its very essence, as far as I know. I have it on good authority. Hmm. So it has to do with Israel and Israel's future. Hmm. Yeah. Well, that you you could hold to a future for national geopolitical religious Israel and also believe in the covenant of works, the covenant of redemption, and the covenant of grace. Because the covenant of works, covenant of grace, and covenant of redemption uh, deal, well, I don't want to say primarily, but the category is more soteriological. If you don't mm. know what that means, it's a fun word. Uh, it deals with the doctrine of salvation. <laughs> salvation yeah. So think of it in terms of, the, the, that's a soteriological. Seer, seer, seer <laughs> and now we're just making stuff up on the pactum as we like to do sometimes. So think of it in terms of salvation, whereas we're talking about future for Israel or not. Well, that yes, it's related to salvation, but in a strict sense, I would say, no, it's not. We're, we're talking about maybe end times views. I know there might be overlap, but you for sure could believe in a future for national Israel. In other words, I'm giving you permission uh, from the Pactum Sofa <laughs> in believing that and also having your ducks in a row regarding justification as it relates to covenant of works, covenant of grace, covenant of redemption. Please be that kind of dispensationalist. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so... I, I think that really helps. And if, if people can see that, I think it gives them move to, room to move forward, hmm. especially if they've been trained by those who have told them, uh, you know, don't, whatever you possibly do, don't believe in covenant theology because then you won't believe in a future for Israel. Right, right. Not necessarily. Now, I'll confess, since I am on the Pactum Sofa, yes. and Mike, you're here to hear my confession, <laughs> I will confess that I first affirmed covenant of works, covenant of grace, covenant of redemption, and still believed in a future for national Israel. And I, the more I studied scripture, not because of the, the, the two things not matching, sure, or, yeah. but... I, I actually think that Jesus is the ultimate son. Israel was a son. Jesus is the ultimate son. He's yeah. the last Adam. And so for other reasons, let me put it that way. For sure. other reasons, I don't think we're going to have animal sacrifices that make atonement for sin in the future with priests. I don't believe in a future for national geopolitical sure, yeah. religious Israel. I believe in a future for many Jews coming to believe in Jesus, a yeah. la Romans 11. Sure, yeah. Okay, great. But even if you don't, we, that's fine. We, we can still be friends. Yep. We Why can. can't we be, be friends? friends. <laughs> we can still be friends, and we can both be covenantal in our theology. Sure. Yep. Absolutely. I think that's helpful. All right. Another question for you. I'm not going to be able to say this one if listeners catch this. Here we go. Do you think some people reject the covenant of works because they're afraid of antinomianism? I did it. <laughs> Bravo. Let it be known. I said antinomianism. Oh, maybe, maybe if you clench your teeth together yes, and say antinomianism, antinomianism. It might, see, oh, that, that did come easier. Yep. I remember when I first That's saw, wild. I first set my eyes on a Mitsubishi oh, yeah. truck and I couldn't say it until I said Mitsubishi. It, that's interesting. I'm going to try that when I, <laughs> people think what's wrong with Mike. He's clenching his teeth. Is he mad all the time? Oh. <laughs> it's a pactum trick here, folks. It's a total pactum trick and you don't even have to pay extra. Extra for the episode. That's right. We oh. are here to enlighten you. We are. So back to the question. Do you think they re <laughs> people reject the covenant of works because they're afraid of antinomianism? I actually think they do reject the covenant of works because they're afraid of antinomianism, but maybe that they're not smart enough to put all those pieces together, hmm. but people do reject, uh, people are afraid of antinomianism. So you don't obey God enough. You don't do enough 
law keeping because that's what it, it means to be against law, right, anti-namas, right. anti-law. Because some people want to make sure you obey and make sure you behave. That's why they actually functionally deny justification by grace alone through faith alone and Christ alone. Right, right, uh, right, right. Even though they might profess it, which we're thankful for blessed inconsistencies. Yep. Uh, we wish they weren't true, but they are. But I actually think it's true. So uh, it's back to the question. Yes, indeed. The thing behind the thing is that if you, they're afraid of, of the covenant of works, because if you affirm it, it's going to be all on you or all on Christ. And we know it's not all on us because we're sinful. And, oh, no, that might lead to antinomianism. Right. No. How about if we do the right thing because we're filled with gratitude and yeah, we're yeah. not under condemnation and we have assurance? Think back to Romans 8, yeah, 1. Yeah. And we're going to do the right thing once we get to Romans 12, if you will, sure. or Romans 6 for that yeah, matter. Yeah. So do the right thing not to be justified. Do the right thing because you are justified. Yeah. And now we're going to do it even for the right reasons. Yeah. So, okay, good. Keep your motor running. Keep that motor running. Head out on the highway. You know, the cult did a cover song of that, and the cult is going to be in Omaha here pretty soon. Kind of tempted to go. Who's the cult? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you knew that was Well, coming. you know, it's the band that originally was called the Southern Death Cult, and then Death Cult, and then the cult. You know, Ian Asbury. All right, sure. I saw Perfect. the cult way back in the 80s. They opened up for Metallica, and I, I was trying to be so punk rock that I would go to the cult and then walk out on Metallica. Are you serious? Yeah, and now I'm kind of bummed. That's because Oh, man, you missed some opportunities. It would be better street cred if I said, yeah, I've seen Metallica. <laughs> okay, speaking of Metallica, get this. This is a good one on me. Okay. So... Uh, my family and I, we like the Zach Brown band. That's country music. Okay. <laughs> Zach Brown band there. And I love them because they're, they're gifted musicians. Okay. They're good musicians, but at their concerts, they typically will play the Metallica song, uh, enter Sandman. Is that the song? Is yeah, that what it's called? Yeah, okay. I know what you're about. So here's the great thing. We were at a concert. They start playing the song. And because I grew up in a bubble under a rock, I had no idea what they were playing. Everybody in the whole arena stands up and goes crazy, including my wife who's with me. Okay. And I'm sitting there and I look at her and I say, What's happening? Angie's banging and her head to the like, country song. Yeah. It's it not was, a country song. It was wild. So Metallica, I don't know much other than now I know Enter Sandman. So. Gifted musicians. Yes. Wasn't really in my wheelhouse, wheelhouse but now I, now I have respect. <laughs> now I have respect. I do appreciate gifted musicians. Okay, next question on our list here. Would you be a member of a church where the leadership rejects the covenant of works? Ooh, that's as spicy as you like to say. <laughs> Would you be a member of a church where they are rejecting the covenant of works as leaders? I want to know what you think, but let, I'll take two swipes at it. Okay. So maybe first blush, I'm going to say no. But at the same time, I would be a member of a church. I'd be a member of a, a church where they have a lot of things I don't agree with if I need, because I need to be a member of a church. Yes. Yeah. yeah so yeah. depending on where I live, depending on you know yeah. what the circumstances are. So, and, and we're pro church and we're pro church leaders maturing and growing yes. over yep. time. Yep. I want room for maturity and growth. So I, I don't want to be, I don't want to try to weasel out of it, but that's a hard question. It is a hard question. You I, may live somewhere where there's literally one or two churches available to you, you know, and it's, if they're faithfully preaching the gospel and they're not understanding or knowing much about the covenant of works, well, I'm not, I'm not going to play the game where I come and say, do you affirm the covenant of works? And he's like, um, well, and then I'm going to say, well, I'm going to take my ball and go home. Yep. That That's... Yeah, there's room, like there's we talked room. about in the previous episode, episode of you too. Yep, for sure, for sure. And I've learned a lot of things from 
members of the congregation congregation where they've helped me to grow and they've sure. asked me questions. Yeah. So we all want to be, we want our godliness to be shown in front of everybody. I think that's biblical. I think it's actually even pastoral epistle ish. Mm-hmm. So we want maturity to happen, but strictly speaking, if the, if the leadership rejects the covenant of works, maybe it depends on how high handedly they reject the covenant yeah, of works. Yeah. If it ends up being gospel and it's intentional and it's somehow do more, try harder. God justifies not the hearers only, but the doers. And they actually make that you not Christ. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be pretty hard for me. I might get on Zillow. Uh, if that's what, what it's going to take because they're, they're in effect undermining the, the, what holds the gospel of grace up. Yeah. So it's a serious matter. Um, right. But we're not trying to get everybody to leave their churches because I don't want everybody to leave this church because the senior pastor isn't perfect. Right. Yeah. Um, but it's a serious matter. So pastors listening, take heed to yourself and to your doctrine. Yeah, yeah. And and these are serious matters because they do relate to potentially you committing a Galatian heresy, but at the same time, um, need to be patient, learn, grow, but it, it's that important of a doctrine. How about that? Yeah. Okay. Next question. Next Our, item up for bids. Next item up for bid is number six. Are confessions the answer? Yes and no. Yes, no, no, yes. Uh, confessions can help <laughs> us so much. Sorry, it's been a long week already. Confessions could help us so much because uh, when we have a confession, and since we have lots of people who uh, are in the Reformed world of, let's say, Westminster Confession, uh, and we all have lots of people who are in the Baptistic world of the Second London Confession, mm-hmm. both of them, for example, both of these Protestant confessions, they both affirm the covenant of works unequivocally. That's a hard word for me to that say. Is, that was... You did it, though. I, I thought, should I clench my teeth? And I don't think it would have helped. <laughs> Pact emerged. I could see him thinking about the word as he said it, but he pulled it off. Well done. Both are clear on the covenant of works. I think that's one reason why I get along with both sides so sure, well, yeah. because we get the gospel right, even if we have some pretty big disagreements on other things. We get the gospel right. We have communion and fellowship there because we agree on the covenant of works. Mm. So in one sense, the confessions are the answer. And if people can't sign off on either of those confessions or others that are similar, uh, then it's probably a bad sign because they're, they're biblicists and then they're probably not clear on law and gospel and they're probably not clear on the covenant of works and the covenant of grace. Having said that, Mike, I'm kind of glad that the confessions are that clear and bold about sure, these yeah. because you know what? Some people maybe shouldn't be in the fellowship, if you will, right? Um, yeah. because they, they, they will understand the, the work of Christ differently hmm. and the fall differently. And maybe they can be Christians. Maybe we can be friends, but maybe we're, we shouldn't think we're on the same team when, when we're not on the same team. Hmm. Yeah. That's helpful, I think. All right. So next question has to do with a specific person and their views or what they think about the covenant of works. Uh, Tom Schreiner. Does Tom Schreiner affirm the covenant of works? I don't know if Tom Schreiner affirms the covenant of works or not, but someone just asked me about Tom Schreiner today. Sure. And uh, he's important in in this whole matter because uh, he's a commentator who's popular, who's done a lot of scholarly work, like on the book of Romans and Galatians. Uh, I don't know him personally. I've never met him. I know people who really admire him and are thankful for him. So, um, 
But what comes up with Tom Schreiner is a uh, longtime professor at, at Southern Seminary yep, in yep. Louisville. Louisville. So, but what comes up with Tom Schreiner is, and he has had past associations with John Piper. So if you listen to the last episode, they have similar views in justification and somehow right. it's justification by faith and by your works. Right. And that's problematic, and it would cause me... Here's, here's a statement from Tom Schreiner. Uh, and then I want to explain how sola fide, faith alone, can be sustained since the New Testament teaches that works are necessary for justification and salvation. Hmm. So I'm not a Tom Schreiner fan when it comes to his views of justification. Sure. His book, Faith Alone, I think is a denial of the doctrine of hmm. faith alone, hmm. uh, which is um, too bad. So I've read it from cover to cover. And at best, he's very confusing. It doesn't mean he doesn't have some good things to say in his commentaries, but I think he gets Romans 2 wrong. He fails the Romans 2 litmus yeah, test the litmus. Yeah. going back to two episodes ago. Uh, I don't think he's trustworthy. I doubt he believes in the covenant of works, at least in the strict sense that we've been talking about and the classic sense, because if he did, I don't think he would hold to the justification views that he holds. Sure. Too bad we bought those books for our bookstore, the, the, the Sola books, because we had to pull that one. Yeah. Um, it's a bummer. Ideas have consequences, friends, and theology matters. It does. Yeah. Next question. All right. So moving to the matter of scripture and the covenant of works, uh, what are some good examples for our listeners of maybe a text of scripture where a covenant of works paradigm proves helpful? Because there may be some listeners that have listened to our past few episodes about the covenant of works and thought, okay, okay, but how does this really, you know, how does this prove helpful? What does this matter when I'm reading the Bible? So do we have a couple passages of Scripture where understanding this paradigm of the covenant of works really is helpful. Indeed, and I would reference everyone back to two episodes ago, episode 81, where we looked at some of the proof texts. Yes, yeah. For example, Romans 2 is a really important one. Yep. I'd go there for sure because you're going to lose your ever-loving mind <laughs> if you don't have a framework for law and gospel, covenant of works, covenant of grace. So, And maybe before we go to an, an additional one, what you bring up, Mike, is important when it comes to practical. This really is yeah. practical. Yeah. This is not the covenant theology, the covenant of works, covenant of grace, covenant of redemption. It's not just this ethereal thing out there for those who get paid to read theological books. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It actually matters for you as a Bible reader, and we know all of those who listen to the Pactum are Bible readers, essentially. Yep. And so I have I have this in my mind whenever I read anything, as far as which is this, what does it fall under? Is it law? Is it gospel? That relates to this matter of the covenant of works. And so just recently when I was preaching through the book of Acts, I came to Acts chapter 10 and uh, verses 34 and 35. And here's what it says. Acts ten thirty four says, so Peter opened his mouth and said, truly, I understand that God shows no partiality, hmm. but in every nation, Anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. So is that a true statement? Surely yeah. it's a true statement, but that is not the way Peter or Paul preaches the gospel in the book of Acts. Never. Yeah. So it's not like we, we, we dare not take Acts 10, 34 and 35 and say, oh, now there's an exception to having to believe in Jesus. Yeah. yeah. Now you, you could potentially be could, saved without yeah. the gospel. Right. I've because, got a shot. Because if you take it nakedly, nakedly, 
as some people say, if you just take that nakedly and take away the surroundings, it would sound like maybe you could be accepted by God if you just do what's right. Yeah, yeah. And uh, did we use this as an example recently? I don't think we did, not this passage, no. Okay. So it sounds like as long as you do what's right, you're acceptable to God, and that would contradict what Peter's been saying throughout Throughout, the book of Acts for nine chapters. Right, right. And right after this, he's going to go on and preach the gospel, the good news of salvation in Christ. So I would I would label Acts ten thirty four and thirty five as law, if mm. you will. But really, in principle, it's the covenant of works. Sure, yeah. If you do this, you'll live. Yep, yep. So as we've been saying, it's not formally the covenant of works because it's not addressed to Adam. But as we've said in other episodes, it is a restatement. It is in principle the covenant of works because fears him and does what is right is not the way the gospel has been spoken about in the book of Acts. Right, yeah. Uh, It's a general statement about God not making distinctions between Jews and Gentiles, but he's not saying you don't need the gospel um, and you don't need to preach Christ because he's going to go on and do that very thing. But he, he's setting the stage. God sure. is fair. Sure. God yeah. is just. God yeah. gives people what they deserve, kind of like Romans 2. So I love these kinds of examples because they're, they're not necessarily, you're not going to find this in the commentary. You're going right. to re, read the commentary and it's going to fall under the heading of gospel or something. Sure, yeah. Well, Peter's not preaching the gospel there. He's right. getting ready to preach the gospel. What do you do first? You make it clear with what God requires. Yeah, yep. So this is really practical for moms and dads and teenagers and young kids and the elderly and everybody Everybody. else in between. Yeah, it's super helpful to have that paradigm, that understanding when you're reading through the text of Scripture. Absolutely, for sure. I think it's actually one of the reasons why we have... categories, you know, let's make it simple. How can I understand this? How can I teach this Mm -hmm. covenant of works, covenant of grace? That's how I can teach it. And I can help people understand the Bible better. Yes. Categories are great. Okay. Another question for you. Ooh, does the covenant of works require infant baptism given that it is covenant theology? I've heard that one before. Uh, Yeah, for sure. Oh, you can't believe in covenant theology or the covenant of works because it's part of covenant theology, and that means you have to baptize babies. And all of our paedo-baptist listeners are like, yeah, that's right, you do. (laughs) (laughs) But to everyone else who's afraid of such things, uh, of course not. Um, That is actually why um, we would have competing confessions that we've just referenced. Right, yes. They're not entirely competing, but they are over this issue. Yeah. So the Second London Confession actually uh, is a believer's baptism, credo-baptism kind of confession. Yep. And it too promotes, defends, holds to covenant works, works, yeah. just like our Presbyterian friends yes. and Reformed friends. Yep. So uh, the answer to that is no. We can actually be united in the commitment to a covenant of works. Yes. Good. Okay. What exactly is monocovenantalism and how does it relate to all of this? I think we mentioned monocovenantalism when we talked about BART yep, that's in episode why, I think 82. That, yep, I think that's why it's come up. Okay. So let's let's clarify for our listeners, what is monocovenantalism? Yes. And it also came up in our interview with Zach Keel. Oh, yes, it did. That's right. Yep. The episode called Sacred Bond. Yep. And uh, so we had some questions about that actually online also. Yeah. So monocovenantalism. So think mono, think one. Yeah. I grew up riding dirt bikes and you wanted a motorcycle. The, the better ones had a monoshock. On a the monoshock. Back. Yeah. Instead right. of two shocks on the back, you got the monoshock because now you're upgrading to the better. Like, it's the better thing. It's okay. not the Honda XR 
75. It's going to be the Honda CR8. CR, there you go. Yeah, okay. <laughs> One shock, not two on the back. So, or mono when it comes to audio things, right? Stereo yeah. or mono. Stereo. Hey, yeah. look at you go. I know. I'm trying to be missional. That's Mike. awesome. I'm relating now. I'm here for you. <laughs> so, so one covenant. And basically the idea is everything is gracious and everything is works. Mm. So when you blur law and gospel, when you don't see a distinction between the covenant of works and the covenant of grace, it's monocovenantal. Bart would have been monocovenantal. Some others who have a lot better theology than Bart kind of are monocovenantal. And I would say the classic traditional confessional approach to covenant theology is going to be bicovenantal. Yeah. So it's going to have a covenant of works, do this and live for eternal life based upon what Jesus taught. And then the other side of it is the only way to ever be saved is by grace alone because it's based entirely on what Christ has done. Hmm. And so you need to have two. You need to have both uh, and not just one because if you have one, what you do is ruin both. Yeah. So it relates to all of this because you're going to lose the gospel and you're going to lose sola fide and sola gratia and soli deo gloria if you're bardian, if you're monocovenantal, uh, if you go down that road. So bicovenantal is better. And some thoughtful person is going to say, I thought there are three covenants in the right. covenantal system. It's right. true. But first and foremost, before you add the covenant of redemption, first and foremost, when it comes to this matter, it's bicovenantal. Right. Yeah. So covenant of redemption it has always been biblical, but as far as it being labeled that, it's a latecomer. Right. The date has always been there, but first and foremost, let's call it bicovenantalism. Right. Uh, and you don't need to call it that, but just know that when, when people want to blur the two together, they're going to get themselves in trouble when it comes to the gospel. And that actually relates to our next question. Yes, it does. So the next question would be, what about grace before the fall? In other words, is the covenant of works gracious? So yeah, it relates to the monocovenantalism right. idea. And I, I want to say clearly that I do not believe, the pactum does not believe. Mike Grimes, I'm going to speak for him because, I, because his mouth is all like this from Novocaine. I can't really do it. <laughs> I don't, do they still use Novocaine? I think it's something else. I don't know. They yeah, just put a bunch of stuff on it. probably causes cancer in lab probably. rats or something. So yeah. I think it's something else. I don't know. <laughs> I don't play a dentist on TV, but we have dentists who listen, so I'm sure they're going to tell us it's lidocaine or it's, something yeah. other Best than. Best I can come up with. Okay. It's some kind of. Native, it's a numbing It's a thing. Native American herb. Could have been. I went to day camp when I was a little kid one time, back when you trusted people to let you go yeah. to things like oh, day yeah. camps. Yeah. And they had us pick these weird berries. and they we, What? You put just a pinch between your cheek and gum is all it takes. Are you serious? <laughs> and uh, we sounded like you. We couldn't <laughs> feel it anymore. <laughs> so you're like going to foraging camp? Is that it, was, it was kind of fun. <laughs> and then what else did we find? We found these things. I think they called them devil's eggs. Oh. And these weird like rocks that were... You Interesting. Know, five bazillion, quadzillion years old. Oh, wow. That's fascinating. Really, yeah. Anyway. Interesting. Okay. Now we get back to Plus their to grace what? before the fall is the covenant of works gracious. You wanted <laughs> to clearly state from the pactum, and you're speaking for yourself and for oh, me. Oh, and for my I can't There you speak. go. Thank you for rem reminding me. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So we don't, we, we don't think that the covenant of works is gracious, and we don't think that it was grace before the fall. Yeah. Now we have to clarify that. But the reason we would say it that way is because you end up doing this monocovenantalism thing and you end up having gospel and you, you end up not having a clear distinction between do this and live and Christ died for your sins. Mm. So you do this and live, 
for eternal life. Well, we can't and we won't, but it is the requirement, again, quoting Jesus. And yet the Bible also teaches it's Christ who died for your sins. Yeah. God is the one who justifies the ungodly. So there is a distinction. Let's, let's not say grace before the fall. However, However, we've read a couple books that are <laughs> old, and we find that there are some really good theologians that we really admire who would hold to essentially covenant of works who say things like grace before the fall. Mm-hmm. So what we want to do is not say always and never, and we want to say, depending on what you mean. Sure. Right? Yeah. So there are those who have said um, there's grace before the fall. But we want to say, what did they mean? And when you read them in context, at least the, the better ones, in my opinion, they, they basically are talking about how we, we didn't deserve to be made. Right. Yeah. God was not any under any obligation to sure. act. Yeah. He, he didn't have to, but he did anyway. And so that's what they mean. They don't mean saving grace. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They don't mean uh, the covenant of works is doctored up with grace. So it's easier to achieve. Right. Right. They're speaking of like the kind, benevolent. My God, drop in right. knowledge. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Let's, so let's use in light of all the debates in light of the water under the bridge, I think people like Michael Horton have taught us that it would be more helpful today knowing what we know to say things like benevolence, yeah. to say love, yeah. to say condescension. Yeah. 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 He wasn't obligated, but let's reserve, let's preserve that grace word to deal with things that relate to sin. Sure. Yeah. Because that does seem to be more along the lines of how it's used in the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm going to be a stickler about it, but I, I'm well aware that some people have spoken in different terms. Sure. But when people really want to fight about this today and they say, absolutely. The covenant of works is gracious. Um, I, I, my spidey senses are up. Yeah. My yeah. pactum senses are up. <laughs> I'm like, uh, I, I, I bet I would imagine you're going to say something like final justification is by works. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't trust you. Yeah. That's good. I think yep. that's super helpful. Uh, okay. We've come to our last question. Woo-hoo! We've made it through all these questions. The last question we've got on the covenant of works is some people say that S. Lewis Johnson promoted covenant theology. Samuel Lewis Johnson. Samuel Lewis be. Johnson. They say, uh, some say that he promoted covenant theology and others say he was a dispensationalist. Indeed, that's true. Do you know which one he was and what is the deal? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, well, well. So S. Lewis Johnson was a longtime professor at Dallas Theological Seminary. I believe he taught Greek first and then he eventually taught systematic theology and a beloved professor um, he was a pastor at Believer's Bible Chapel in Dallas for a long time as well. He got fired from Dallas Seminary under the leadership of John Walvert, I believe, because he believed in limited atonement. He mm. was a five-point Calvinist. Yep. And uh, super interesting gentleman, Southern gentleman. I love S. Lewis Johnson. Uh, had uh, got to have lunch with him one time. Lots of great stories. When I was in seminary, they still had cassette, cassette tapes. And they, uh, Believer's Bible Chapel would send them to you. You could borrow them, then you send them back. Oh, wow. So I worked for, yeah, I worked for an electrician for quite some time and I would just listen to the tapes, you know, flip the tape over, listening to more and more, uh, that's pre-internet. So we also, they were rocking the Netflix model before Netflix. It's true. It's true. That's amazing. And now it's not a thing. (laughs) So you also could get his printed sermons, which kind of read like a MacArthur commentary. Mm, Yeah. So exposition Mm -hmm. and you could write to them and they would send them they, each sermon would be stapled. And so we would get them unstaple all of Romans or all of Genesis or hmm. all of John's gospel. 
and then we would, you know, take turns, um, photocopying them, like oh, wow, uh, yeah. pass it on. So sure. really, really great resources. I have a, f- a fond affection for S.O.S. Johnson. I mm. remember one of my pastors, the, actually the founding pastor of Omaha Bible church said that when they were going to take uh, an exam from S.O.S. Johnson, and this is way back when the Ryrie study Bible was, was just coming out. Mm. Maybe just the new Testament was out by then. I don't know. And, and someone in his class said, uh, Dr. Johnson, can we use the Ryrie study Bible on our exam? <laughs> and he said, I believe the Ryrie Study Bible would only confuse you. <laughs> so there's my best rendition. Hey, that was pretty good. Okay. So uh, I also remember one time hearing him speak in Dallas, and there was a guy, I can't remember his name now. He was an apologetics guy, kind of an Arminian, kind of uh, not, didn't seem very trustworthy, kind of manipulative. Hmm. Don't remember his name. But S. Lewis Johnson happened to be there because it was a prophecy conference and he, oh, okay. he and his wife were there. And we, so we, we found him afterward. We wanted to ask him what he thought. Sure. And he said, I, I, I believe it was rather hokey. <laughs> <laughs> so it was awesome. That's I think he awesome. had like his Hebrew Bible under his arm. I mean, he was just a cool cat. Oh, that's cool. So how do we want to answer this question uh, about S.W.S. Johnson? It seemed that he made some shifts in his theology. Uh, if you want to, he's a great gateway drug. <laughs> Can we say that? <laughs> if, you, if you want to um, move from dispensationalism, uh, you say, oh, S.W.S. Johnson, he was at Dallas. And so he's a dispensationalist. Yeah, yeah. And uh, find the, the recordings that are available online where he talks about the divine purpose, yes. things like that. Yep. And he basically is teaching covenant theology. He is, He's yeah. doing it kind of in a safe way. Uh, but he helped me to kind of think through some of these issues. He helped me think through Calvinism and Arminianism. Yep. But he'll move you in the right direction, <laughs> uh, we would say. And uh, my brother, Mike, edited his Romans commentary. He worked uh, with with S. Lewis's family and they trusted him to do that. I think he's working on Colossians as well. There might be other things. And I wouldn't agree with everything in the Romans commentary. Uh, I think probably in Romans two and things like that, but generally it's really good and helpful. I think my brother would say the same thing. I do have a quote here. I do have a, uh, this is actually from S. Lewis Johnson regarding dispensationalism. This is in 1985. At least that's what my notes say. He says, my views on dispensationalism began to differ when I began to ponder more in detail the epistle of Romans. Hmm. Ah, and particularly Romans 11. And I came a long time ago to the conviction that in Romans 11, Paul was essentially teaching that there is one people of God. I won't, hmm. I won't quote it any longer, but he goes on to say, basically, I'm not a dispensationalist sure, yeah. in, in any old sense. So all of that to say, um, love S. Lewis Johnson for the way the Lord used him in this world, led a lot of people to think clearly about things. Um, I don't think he died a dispensationalist. Um, but regardless, even when he was a dispensationalist, he believed in the covenant of works, the covenant of grace and the covenant of redemption. Right. And so regardless of what kind of person you are listening today, we hope that you see the light of day or you keep seeing it and you will promote and defend and learn more about this great and glorious doctrine that puts us in our place so that we would look outside of ourselves and we would look to none other than the one that the Bible calls Jesus Christ 
the righteous, Jesus Christ, the law keeper. We also know he paid for our law breaking. We also know he was raised for our justification. What a grand and glorious Savior is our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much for being with us today on The Pactum. We appreciate all of you being in The Pactumverse. You can find us online, Instagram, Twitter. You can be emailing us, connect at thepactum.org. We'll see you here next time on The Pactum. The Pactum.